Amen. That, uh, that last verse, but while God and I shall be, He gives you eternal life, and He is the eternal God. So all forever, I am His, and He is mine. Praise the Lord for that. Let's go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. We'll start there. The more I got working on this message, the longer this message got. I may very well be turning into my predecessor. This could be two parts. We're going to see how quickly the first two pieces go. And if they go horribly awry and long, we'll come back tonight, okay? I won't keep you that long this morning. But, uh, I mean, I could, but I won't. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And very, very familiar spot to many of you, if not all of you, in verse number 8. He says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves that is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, here he is and he's offering, notice what he describes salvation as. He describes salvation as the gift of God. Uh, that would be, in, in other terms, that would be a present, right? We would give it as a present, a gift, a present. Uh, not only that, but the idea that you, you come up across with it is uh, gifts have to be offered, uh, right? You don't just get a gift because... Nobody gave you the, they had to give it to you. They had to present it to you. That's why it's a present. There's a presentation that is done. Uh, it, is, it is given to you as a present. Uh, here, this is a gift from me to you. Uh, it, is, it is offered. That's, that's the purpose of the present, uh, is to be offered and given. Uh, and this morning, uh, as you look through the scriptures, you find out there's more than just one pre presentation that is done throughout the scriptures, uh, especially in the New Testament. And to you and I, as a church, uh, there's these things that are supposed to be presented, things the Lord presents to us and things we present back to him. Uh, it's amazing the things that are supposed to be, that last song we just sang, I am his and he is mine. <laughs> there was a presentation. He offered himself and you accepted now, hopefully, you offered yourself back. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and you offered yourself back, and he accepted. <laughs> now, he'll accept if you'd be willing to offer. <laughs> we'll get to that very, very soon. But the truth is that there has to be this presentation that goes back and forth. Uh, you know, Brother, Brother Todd just graduated, right? What are they going to do? Uh, they present him with his diploma. They, they give that to him. Right? He's earned, he's done some things, but he's given, they do a presentation. It's the, it's the big show of this is exactly what has happened right here. And they present him with that. Uh, right? uh, husband and wife, right? the, the bride and the groom, they come down and they stand in front of the preacher. And he goes ahead, they do the ceremony, the two of them get wed. He says right afterwards, right, they kiss. And then he says, I present to you for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs. whoever. Right? Uh, it's the presentation, it's the showing, it's the, it's the thing that needs to be shown and given and done. And so there's multiple versions of that throughout the New Testament. I'm going to talk about four today. I would have said this morning, but I can't guarantee that. So today we'll talk about four of them. Uh, and the first is the presentation of the gospel to the lost. And so let's have a word of prayer 
and we'll talk about some presentations in the Bible. Lord, I do thank you for the day. We thank you for what a wonderful God you are. Lord, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And Father, I do pray you'd help me to do that today. I pray I would praise you because you're worthy. Lord, because you deserve it, you're worthy of honor and glory and power. And Lord, that is all that you deserve over and over again. You are great to us. And Father, I pray you'd help me to, Lord, preach the word of God with clarity of thought and mind and with power. Lord, you'd fill me and help me to say what needs to be said. Lord, just the way it needs to be said. I pray I wouldn't say anything out of turn or anything that could be taken the wrong way, but Father, that Jesus Christ would be praised and that I would get out of the way and that you could be able to have your will and your way throughout the service. We do pray that you would work in our hearts, Lord, as we look over these things. Father, that you would help us to be able both to understand and to be able to do something about what you've given us today. Lord, once again, we pray you would come back soon. Father, we'd love to see our Savior today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we are in Ephesians chapter 2, and his statement is that it's the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of grace. It is the grace of God bestowed upon us through the mercy of God and the love of God that is shed abroad. Uh, Jesus Christ proved his love at Calvary's cross. He gave his life a ransom for many. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, he died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The proof of the love of Jesus Christ was at Calvary he died for you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. The problem was you and I weren't God's friend. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not God's friend. The Bible says that when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. You don't have God. That means you're ungodly. You say, well... That seems pretty mean. Yeah, but you're a sinner. <laughs> you're a sinner. You've done things wrong. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. We know the right thing to do. We don't do the right thing. We've sinned. And so because of that sin, the Bible says that our iniquities have separated us from God. The separation has occurred. We've strayed away from our Creator, and instead we have gone ahead and been broken apart and pushed away from Him because our iniquities are there, and we've got these transgressions in between us. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes were healed. Jesus Christ went to Calvary's cross to pay the debt of all of our sins. The Bible says, For God so loved the world. That's everybody. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He made a presentation that day. He gave His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God makes the offer out to a world and He says, Hey, I've got a gift for you. That gift is right here. It is free of charge. If it's not free, it's not a gift. Eternal life is a gift. You can be forgiven of all of your sins and I'll give you eternal life. Salvation is a gift. There is nothing you and I can do to get that gift. People go, well, I just, I just want to, you know, if I could just do something. It's funny, I was reading a book with D.L. Moody and different things and he was, he was illustrating this. And he says, uh, he goes, uh, remember salvation is a free gift. And it's a free gift for us. Can you buy it? 
No, it's a free gift presented to whosoever will accept it. Suppose I were to say, I will give this Bible to whosoever will take it. What have you got to do for it? Well, nothing but take it. But a man comes forward and you know what he says? I'd like that Bible. I'd like that Bible very much. Well, didn't I say whosoever can have it? Yes, but I'd like to have you mention my name. Well, it's right here. You can take it. Well, yeah, but he didn't tell me. Isn't that the mentality? We're so, we're so, we feel so important. Well, he's got to tell me by name. He's got to specifically say, Ryan, you got to come up and get this. Jesus doesn't have to reach down and say, hey, uh, James, you got to come up and get salvation. You know what he's got to say? Whosoever will, let him come. If you want it, take it. If you want it, take Well, I want somebody to say my name. He did. He slid it in that list of whosoever. That's you. Still, he keeps eyeing the Bible and he says, I'd like to have that Bible, but I'd like to give you something for it. I don't like to take nothing, something for nothing. I mean, salvation can't be free, can it? Don't I got to do something? Don't I have to be good? Don't I have to be able to? I mean, isn't there something I can do to pay it off? Can't I give some money or maybe, you know, go ahead and turn over a new leaf and fix my life up a little bit and then I can come and get that salvation idea taken care of? Moody replies, but I'm not here to sell Bibles. Take it if you want it. God's not offering salvation for sale. He's offering eternal life for free. Well, I want it, but I'd like to give you something for it. Let me give you a cent for it. Though to be sure, it's worth about $5. Suppose I were to accept that cent. The man then takes the Bible up, marches away home with it. His wife asks him, where'd you get that Bible? Oh, I bought it. Mark the point, when he gave the penny, it ceased to be a gift. So is it with a penny. So is it with salvation. If you were to pay ever so little, it would no longer be a gift. Jesus Christ says, hey, it's not of works lest any man should boast. (laughs) That man goes, oh, I bought that Bible. You didn't buy that Bible. Changed out a penny for a Bible (laughs) that you said was worth far more. God says, you know what? I have salvation. It's a free gift. It can never be purchased. You say, why? Because it's already been paid for. The blood of Jesus Christ. The purchase of our inheritance. The thing that paid the debt of all of our sins was presented to a world by Jesus Christ at Calvary. And it is the gift of eternal life. And he rose from the grave to ensure that you and I can understand victory is allowed. And it is present. And you can have it if you would take the gift. You know what's strange about the gift? You don't have to take it. If I were offering, just like Brother Moody was, if I were offering a Bible right here, he said, well, I want to pay for that. And I said, well, you can, you can only get it if you take it for free. And you don't have one. 
you realize walking away, this Bible does you no good? Salvation does you no good if you just walk away. It's free and available. You can have it. Whosoever, whoever wants it, they can take it. But so many people, they walk up and they go, well, I think there might be some strings attached to that deal. God says, there's no strings. I give you eternal life if you trust that I died for you. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible makes it very plain that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Salvation is that simple. Believe that Jesus died for your sins, he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he died for you in particular. He died for you. He paid your debt. And go ahead and trust him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And Jesus Christ has offered that presentation. He has gone ahead and presented you with the free gift of eternal life if you want it. But if you walk away from it, that's your choice. By the way, that gift is not extended forever. You have this life and this life only. Well, I got a while. How many people do we know have died after they thought they had a while? Well, we got plenty, we got plenty of time. You don't know what time you've got. This world's going crazy. You think you've got a lot of time? Who knows what you've got? We got plenty of people we know who have died under the age of 20. Far too many. You know what they thought? I got my whole life ahead of me. People in their 30s, their 40s, even their 50s, they go, hey, I've got more time. You don't have more time. What is our life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time then vanisheth away. Here in the morning, gone in the afternoon, it's all over with. Done. God says, I've got an offering for you. I've got a free gift. I've got a free gift. I'll give it to you. If you'd be willing to take it, I'd give it. But too many people, they never take it. Not only that, but you realize that in Corinthians, he reminds us, Christians, that we're ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Romans chapter 10, how shall they hear without a preacher and how, they, how shall they preach except they be sent? Christian, let's face it, the only way they get presented that gift is you and me. The lost don't get to know about Jesus Christ and what he really did for them. Oh, they hear about religion and they hear about this and they hear about that. But you know what they need? They need a friend who's willing to open up a Bible and go, hey, I got the truth right here. God gave you a free gift. Here's the offer. You say, yeah, but I mean... Not everybody takes it. Doesn't matter. You know what the Lord cares about? He cares about just the presentation of it. He didn't ask you to save anybody. He didn't ask you to convince anybody. He didn't ask you to argue your point and make a great case. You know what he said? Present it. Just tell them. Just tell them. Just tell them. That's your job. 
The job is not to convince and the job is not to make the greatest argument and the job is not to go ahead and persuade them against their will. Your job is to go here. I know what eternal life is. I know where to get it. It's a free gift given by Jesus Christ. And if you trust him, he'll forgive you of all of your sins and take you to heaven forever. Here's the presentation. It's a free gift. Take it. It's yours for the taking. Whosoever will, let him come. Take a drink of the water of life freely. He that is a thirst, if you're thirsting for, for eternal life, you want forgiveness of your sins, go ahead. God's got a drink for you. It'll take care of all of them. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Our job is just to keep saying, hey, come. Come. Come on. <laughs> There's eternal life. It's right over here. Come on. We've got it. I know. You say, how do you know? Because he gave it to me. He gave it to me. You know, people all the time, they go, well, uh, you know, you, you don't know it unless you've experienced it. And they're always talking about their sin. Isn't that amazing? There's a reason the Lord said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You say, why? Because you, you know what the world does? The world takes what God has great and goes ahead and makes it gross and terrible and awful. They taint everything. So you know what they say? Hey, hey, come and see how you don't know how great this alcohol is over here. You ought to try it. You don't know what it's like to do all these drugs and do all this stuff. You ought to go ahead and try it. I mean, you can't understand what it's like unless you've tried it. Okay, well, time to use their argument. You don't know what it's, how great it is to have Jesus Christ forgive you of all of your sins to go ahead and ask him and try it out. Let's go ahead and see. Let's see if God can do what he actually says he does. I got way more proof that mine's better than yours. Why do you go to church all the time? I go to church all the time because Jesus saved me. <laughs> I went to church all the time before I was a preacher. We didn't miss services. We didn't, we, didn't skip out on, we didn't skip out on going on witnessing and doing this and doing that. You say, why not? Because that's just the Lord saved me. Let's go find a way to tell somebody about Him. Let's go ahead and find some way to go ahead and present that Jesus Christ is the Savior to a world. Go ahead and figure out, you know what, He is great and greatly to be praised. You can brag about Him, you can talk about Him, you don't have to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. The problem is people don't want to believe it. And sadly, Christians don't believe that it's the power of God. I preached on that a little while ago. You, we get ashamed of the fact that Jesus saved us for some reason when Jesus Christ has done everything for you, not only forgive you, but go ahead and give you the gift of eternal life and make it possible for you to have a home in heaven when you don't deserve heaven, when you don't deserve anything good, when you don't deserve anything great. He's given you greatness, and his answer is, hey, you can do everything through me. Why don't you trust me? But we don't. Our confidence lacks and we wane and we never present to them. And if they would get a presentation of the gospel, they may be able to trust him. But I guarantee you they never will trust him if you never present him. How shall they hear without a preacher? That's scripture. How do they know what Jesus has done if nobody tells them? I still consider this one of the worst plans that God has ever come up with. What is that? Trusting you and I to tell everybody. So why? Because I'm super unreliable. 
If you're honest, you're probably super unreliable too. I think everybody in this room, if you've been saved for more than a year, you've probably thought, man, why didn't I say something right there? I missed that one. You've been saved five, six, seven, you've saved over 30 years like me now. You look around and you go, boy, I missed a lot of them. Look over Romans chapter 12. You know, uh, say, what's, what's wrong with you? Why are you crying? Because <laughs> you think of the ones that you missed and you never got a second shot at. And they stepped off into eternity before you got back. Say, so I, don't, I don't have any of those. Well, thank God. Thank God. Go back, and, go back and get them now before it's too late. By the way, the contrast. The lost man, he says, well, I got time. I got time, so I don't have to decide. What's sad is the saved man goes, I've got time. I'll go tell him later. But the truth is, neither one of you have more time. You have no guarantee of how much time you've got. And that's the scary reality is that you need to tell them now. Well, I don't like it. And they don't, they don't like me for telling them. And does it really matter? Or does it matter that they get another presentation of the great gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ wants to give them? Romans chapter 12, you know the spot. None of these are going to be crazy places to go, all right? So if you're looking for some weird verse, I'm sorry. Some strange new thing. Verse number one, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God goes ahead and he presents his son, Jesus Christ, to a lost man. Hopefully that lost man accepts it and he takes it and he goes ahead and accepts that free gift of eternal life. And he goes ahead and pulls that in and he goes, okay, you presented it to me. Okay, you say, what's next? Next, it's your turn. Your turn is, I'm going to present me to him. They say, well, I did that at salvation. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No, you didn't. Salvation got you all of the benefits of having God. But that doesn't guarantee that you became His in all of your actions and all of what you decide to do with your life. I got saved when I was seven. Prayed, asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. What about you in the last 30 plus years? I haven't done everything right. So, well, well, I mean, 
You're up there now. You got it all right. No. No, I don't. You know, what is amazing is that God saved me for all of eternity, and I get to decide when I want to present myself and when I don't. He gave me something eternally that he doesn't take back. But you and I, we do take backs all the time, don't we? We come down to the altar, please do. That's, that's where I surrendered to preach. I've gotten, I've gotten plenty of altars that I've had to go to and have the Lord deal with me. And sometimes you go down there just to thank him for talking to you again because you didn't deserve that either. And you get down and, and you know what we do? We have to go ahead and we get down here again and you say, well, why do we call it an altar? Because an offering is supposed to happen. <laughs> There's supposed to be some sort of a sacrifice. You say, what's it supposed to be? Me. <laughs> it's supposed to be me coming down here and going, God, I'm sorry. I haven't been doing it your way. I'm presenting me back to you. I'll do it your way. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I exchange my thought process for his faith and trust that he knows what he's doing. And that he can tell me where to go and what to do and how to do it. And it's Jesus Christ who gets to go ahead. Paul makes the statement, I die daily. This isn't a, well, I get to choose today and it's all set forever. Because the problem is you and I are very fickle. And we decide today we're going to serve him and then he doesn't do something we like. And so we say, well, then I'm not going to serve you again. Isn't that Jeremiah? Thrown in the pit. <laughs> I'm not going to speak or prophesy anymore in your name. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not dealing with this. And then his word was as a fire burning in me, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Say, so what did he do? He said, I'm not going to do it. And then he turns around and goes, okay, i got to do it. But that's you and me. Don't we do that all the time? We go, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And we go a little while, and we go, I'm not doing that anymore. Okay, i got to do it. i got to do it. I gotta. No, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Worse than the ocean. Swing up and down and up and down and back and forth. And so what are we doing? Oftentimes, you know what we don't want to do? We don't want to say, I'll do whatever it is you will want me to do. We're case specific with God. You ever notice that? How case specific you get? Well, I want to know all the parameters of this mission right here before I go in and do that. I mean, what's it gonna what's it gonna take? What's it gonna cost me? How's it gonna go? Is it going to be smooth? Are we going to have some tough times here? You know, mentally I've got to be prepared. And really what it is, is you just don't want to do it. You don't trust him to go ahead and give yourself over to him. We gladly trust him in the day-to-day -day of, well, he saved me for all of eternity and he'll forgive me when I make a mistake. But... Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Suddenly becomes a whole lot lower on our priority list. 
we have our own idea of priorities. We have our own idea of thought process. We want this and we want that. And I mean, success is just fantastic as long as we know that we have monetary success in this life and we're comfortable. But the problem is God's people aren't always comfortable. And oftentimes when they're comfortable is when they're at their worst. You get to the book of Judges and the children of Israel. If you have never read the book of Judges, if you'd like to see yourself very clearly in your walk with the Savior, you could see it in the book of Judges. Say, what do you mean? Uh, You know, the Lord goes ahead and they're doing great and everything's fine and it's wonderful. And so they forget about God and they go ahead and look at everything else. And so God has to send a judgment against them. And he goes ahead and he brings in some enemy that goes ahead and beats on them and wipes them out and takes this and takes that and puts them under bondage. And then they go, okay, uh, Lord, save us. We need your help again. And so he sends them a judge, a deliverer, and they go ahead and they take everything back over. And he gives them all the blessings back. And they're like, yeah, we're amazing again. And so then they're doing great and they're living great and everything's great and God's wonderful. And then they go, all right, yeah, we don't need God anymore. We're good over here again. And they take all that. And then God says, okay, I got to send somebody else in to get their attention again because they're walking away from me and they're very back and forth right all through the book of judges you ever feel like you live that way god we're great we're doing great everything's wonderful we're doing well lord you bless me beyond measure okay and now i'm going to walk over here i'm just going to walk away from you just a little bit i don't need to rely on you because i have and they forget and you and i forget that we're still supposed to be surrendered wholly to him Yeah, but I don't want to do that. And now I'm comfortable, so I don't have to bow to everything he says to get his blessings. Because I already have them. Except the children of Israel found out very quickly the blessings run out real fast when you walk away. It saddens me greatly. As I think about COVID... And all the things that happened and the people that have still never come back to a church. They're too scared to walk back in the doors. Or they're too comfortable listening at home because they don't have to go anywhere. I mean, it's Sunday. Can't I just worship at home? The problem is that's not an assembly. The Bible purposely tells you to go assemble. Say, why do we assemble? Because it's not the same. And anybody, anybody who stayed home like we had to for just that little bit, we walk back in the doors of this place and the joy and elation and the singing. And just think for a minute, a bunch of you were here for that. First one, gentlemen, our first men's prayer back together singing over in the OCC. I don't know that there's a better room to sing in here at the church than the OCC. It's got the walls just close enough and the ceiling's just low enough. I mean, I don't know what it is about that room, but you can get, you can get super loud in there with not a whole lot of people, and it is fantastic. You remember those? I'm just going to ask the question, what happened to those? Say, so who are you asking? I'm asking me, what happened to those? 
What happened to those feelings? What happened to that elation to go ahead and meet and be together and to meet and actually hear the preaching of God and the singing and get involved and be there and have it and back together again? Because it felt so weird and so wrong to not be. But then we get comfortable again. And we go, well, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, how much do I really need to sacrifice now? Many of us, we would have sacrificed greatly just to show up and be able to be together. We didn't care. <laughs> uh, I had, and, and you can feel free, I don't, I don't mind. You can criticize me all you want to. Doesn't really matter to me. I, COVID is not scary to me. That wasn't a scary thing. If Lord wants me, he'll take me. <laughs> and he'll use whatever he wants to use. He doesn't need a virus that is strange and weird. I don't, I don't disagree that it was out there. That's a real thing. I understand that. I don't think you should just be dumb. All right. I'm not a proponent of just being stupid. Right? But the idea that I'm going to do something to keep God from getting me. <laughs> or that I'm going to be able to do something to make it so that he has to protect me. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And I think there was a loss of faith and trust in who he is. Because everybody looked at the storm instead of the Savior. And I don't know that people got their eyes back on him. I think they still live in fear. Their fears have changed. And what if the economy gets destroyed? And what if this president rips away all of those things? And what if our money gets converted over and we're no longer the world power and it becomes China who's all got their money, the one that the currency that the world is going to go by? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And Russia invading people and this is happening. You say, what are they doing? It is just the kick up of dust to keep you as distracted as possible from doing what God asked you to do. Now, we're supposed to walk circumspectly as wise and not as fools and redeem the time because the days are evil. The problem is everybody started looking around and they stopped redeeming any time. Now they waste their time. I'm going to get off on some other stuff. I better not. And what's the problem? The problem is we've lost, we've lost the ability in our mind, to go ahead and surrender to God all the things we were supposed to give Him. We seem to not be able to make the connection that when He asks, we're supposed to give. That when He asks, we're supposed to give of ourselves. That when He asks, it's our time to do. When he goes ahead and speaks, we go ahead. We love to go ahead and look out and go, the storm is raging and he's going to step out on the bow and he's going to say, peace be still and everything's going to fall down flat because even the winds and the waves obey him. But you don't. Isn't it amazing that all of creation listens to the voice of God and you and I get to ignore him whenever it's no longer convenient? So what's the problem? You're unwilling to give yourself. 
the presentation of you giving yourself back to Him has stopped. Or has become so sporadic that He can't count on you. And that's a scary thought. How about you? That's scary to me. That if God called upon me, He wouldn't be sure if I would get it done or not. That'd be a bad place to be. You know why Job is so amazing? Because God could count on Job. Job is held up as one of the greatest men to ever have lived in the scriptures. Why? Because he trusted that God had him. While he messed up and he said some things and he did some things and that's because all flesh is grass. We all mess up. Boy, isn't it a wonder how much faith God could put in Job and say, no, Job's not going to walk away from me. Doesn't matter what you take from him, he's not walking away from me. Could it be that you and I could say, you know what? God, if you'd be willing to ask, I'd be willing to do. Or can he not count on us? I did this illustration a long time ago, and I know it's lengthy. And I know I'm going to cry. So let's all just be ready for that. But I got thinking about this while I was working on this message. And Annie Johnson Flint wrote this short story. She wrote some of the most, she wrote a couple of the greatest hymns that you have in your hymnal. She wrote a lot of poems, but this short story was was huge. It came to pass as I traveled along the highway of life that I saw in the distance far ahead a mountain. And on it one standing whose face rested a divine compassion for the grief of the world. His raiment was white and glittering and in his hand was a cross. And he called unto the sons of men saying, Come, come, who will take up his cross and follow me that it may be like unto me that I may seat him at my right hand and share with him things glorious and beautiful beyond the dreams of earth, of the imaginings of men. And I said, what is my cross that I may take it up? And the voice answered, there are many crosses, and they shall be given thee in good time. And I said, what will bring me near to thee and make me most like thee? And the voice replied, there are many angels with whom thou canst walk, but see that they lead thee only toward me and never away from me, for there be some that will cause thee to forget me. And I said, what angel shall be given me? And I felt a hand upon my hand and saw beside me one with a smiling face who said, walk with me. I am the angel of joy. Then all of my life grew bright and wealth was mine and many pleasures and friends crowded around me and love crowned me and I knew no care. But suddenly I heard the voice and it sounded faint and far off. And it said, alas, thou art not coming toward me. And I fell upon my knees crying, oh God, forgive me that I could forget thee. Take away the angels, since it leads me not toward thee. Then the world grew dark, and I heard a low voice beside me saying, Come with me, I am the angel of sorrow. Then he took my hand in his, and I went with, we with him weeping. But now there were no friends around me. My pleasure pulled upon me, and my heart was very sad. And as I went, I saw that the vision grew brighter, and I perceived that I was no longer walking away from it. But my soul was exceeding sorrowful. 
And I looked back often and I saw in memory the joys that I had once known until the tears blinded me and I stumbled continually for the path was rough and it had begun to lead upward. Then I heard the voice again and it said, look not back, regret not the past. I will send thee another angel to help thee to forget the things which are behind. Then the angel of sorrow vanished and in his place stood one whose face was cheerful and he said, come and let us be up and doing. I am the angel of work. And I went with him, and at first, with lagging steps and a sore heart, but as my sight became clearer, I beheld many sick and discouraged, many who had fallen by the way. And then I heard the voice again saying, The laborers are few, and as much as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So I began to help those around me, and my hands were busy. My heart lightened, and I forgot to look behind me and mourn for the lost joys of the past. And, and at times, there was even a song on my lips. But the road was rough and often dark, and at times my courage failed me, and my soul was disquieted within me, for there were sorrows that I could not comfort. There were hungers that I could not satisfy, burdens that I could not help to lift, and I could only stretch out my hands and cry, O thou who hast helped me, help these, for I cannot. Then the voice said, Be not weary in well-doing, thou art coming near to me. I will send one who will bring thee still nearer. Then I saw an angel with a veil before his face who said in a grave voice, Canst thou walk with me? I am the angel of sacrifice. But I shrink back, murmuring, What will you take from me? And he answered, I'll take nothing. Thou must of thine own self give it out of thy free will. It is thy dearest wish. Then I hid my face in my hands and I cried, I can't, I cannot. Ask me something else. Give me some task to do. Have I not labored faithfully all these days? Did I not make myself resign the joys that were once so precious to me and turn away from them to follow thee? And still I will follow thee. Still will I work for thee. Only leave me this one thing. It is so dear to me. It is my light in darkness, my food in hunger, my rest in weariness, my comfort always. Yet I have not loved it better than thee. It has not led thee away from me, nor hid, me from, hid from me thy heavenly vision. And the voice said, Thou canst do without all those things, light and food and comfort and rest. But canst thou do without me? Thou must choose between us. Is it too hard for thee? And yet thou saidst thou wouldst be nearer me. And then I cried and answered, yes, yes, I would, but oh, is there not another way? Take all else, leave me only this. But the voice spake no more. Then I struggled until the sweat broke out upon my brow in drops of agony, and my nights were sleepless and my days troubled, and the vision grew near, and I saw no light, but then there came a day when the higher triumphed. Then with broken voice and streaming eyes, I held up my dearest wish, crying, Take it, take it, thy will be done. Ah, then the vision broke in splendor, and I heard the voice saying, Thou hast fought a good fight. Now thou art indeed mine, and behold, thy reward is even now beside thee. So I looked, and the angel lifted his veil and was smiling, and lo, it was the wish that I had given up. But changed, beautified, and glorified, a heavenly blessing in the place of an earthly. Then it vanished from my sight. And the voice spoke again, thy sacrifice is accepted. 
Thou shalt see it no more on earth, but through all the days of thy mortal pilgrimage it shall be unto thee as a blessed hope. And it shall meet thee in the gate of the city of, the, of heaven uh, to be thine through all eternity. And thou hast come nearer to me and art more like me. Dost thou desire to draw nearer still? I cried, yes, still nearer. And the voice replied, there is yet one more angel for thee to walk with. It is the angel of suffering. And then a great trembling seized me and I said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know not if I can endure. Yet do thou with me as thou wilt, for I am thine. And then suddenly there appeared before me an angel whose face was lined and furrowed as with deep strokes of a chisel. Yet over all there was the peace of a conqueror's peace. A peace rested from great tribulation, the look of one who had forgotten how to weep. One hand he held out to me and the other he pointed to the ground. And as I looked and saw before me the cross which I had last seen in the hand of him upon the mountain. And the voice said, this is the only way by which thou canst approach nearest to me and be most like me. This is thy cross. Lay down upon it without shrinking and without fear. Thou shalt not be alone. I too have been there. I sounded all the depths of pain and at the last I was forsaken by the Father. But that last worst suffering thou shalt not know. For I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So I lay down upon the cross and I rested upon it even until this very day. And the angel of suffering watches over my left hand. And upon my right is one who comes along with him. The angel of his presence. And of late there has been another angel. The angel of peace. And those three abide always with me. And the vision is a vision no longer, but a reality. And it is not a stern judge nor a merciful God, but a loving Father who bends over me now. The way has brought me almost to his feet. And now there is but a very a narrow valley that divides us. It's the valley of the shadow. And the angel who shall lead me through is the angel of death. I wait his coming with a tranquil face or with a tranquil heart for beneath that mess that frights the timid human heart which dread is summoned I see a face that I know the face of the son of God who walked beside me in the furnace of affliction so that I pass through without even the smell of fire upon my garments and when I go down into that deep water it is him it is his arm that I lean upon and the voice that welcomes me on the other side will be his and at the gate will guide my guide shall leave me and I shall see him no more until I behold him at the right hand of God having upon his head many many crowns and on his vesture a name written king of kings and lord of lords before whose face even the heaven and the earth shall flee away and the multitude of them that are saved shall stand before him and they that are come out of great tribulation who endure to the end and inherit all things and they'll cry out with a loud voice saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb and the throne forever and ever. And in him who sitteth upon the throne I shall know the man of sorrows whom I saw upon the mount of the vision holding in his hand a cross. And calling out to the sons of men, come, come. Who will take up his cross and follow me that he may be like unto me. That I may seat him at my right hand and share with him things glorious and beautiful beyond the dreams of earth or the imaginings of men.
you know, so there's a, there's a, there's a cost every time I want to, every time he asks, there's always something to be paid. The exchange. Would you be willing to present your body a living sacrifice to gain the closest relationship with your Savior? The gain that you and I get is not a gain of all the things here. It's a gain of a closeness with the one who will take us home and spend eternity with us. It's leaving behind the temporal and going ahead and believing that the spiritual is much more important. And being willing to go, God, I'm going to do it your way. Whether it costs me in sorrow, whether it costs me in pain, whether it costs me in afflictions, whether it costs me in laying down on that cross and going ahead and suffering the afflictions of God, rather enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, I'll go ahead and do that as long as I'm close to you. Because I am His, and He is mine. Because I want to be like the one who gave His life for me. You say, yeah, but is that a great payoff? If I have to convince you of that, I don't know what to say. Honestly, it's like looking at a lost man and presenting to them the gift of eternal life and them going, yeah, but why would I want that? And then you look at the Christian and you go, hey, if you're willing to do things God's way, he has all the blessings for you. You'll get heavenly rewards and you'll have great peace with him and he'll take care of everything. And you can go ahead and walk with the God who saved you for all of eternity. And he's not going to be this dictator leaning over the top of you. Instead, he's going to be a great friend that walks beside you and a father who loves you and brings you into his arms and carries you and goes ahead and takes care of all of your needs and makes sure everything's good and goes ahead and is blessing you and walks with you. And you get to go ahead and have the closest relationship with the creator of the universe you possibly have and you go and why would I want that the same way you look at your lost family and friends and go I don't understand why they don't want that is the same way I look at someone who goes yeah but I don't want that closeness with God you know the lost man he looks at that presentation of that gift and he says what am I going to lose when I take that Right? The mentality is, well, I, I, I can't party with my friends and I can't do this and I can't do this and I'm going to be going to church and I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to do that. And you look at them and go, you don't think it's worth it? You don't think it's worth getting eternal life and not burning in a lake of fire for all of eternity? And God looks at you and you know what he says? Hey, you want to present your body to me? You want to get close to me? You want to be nearer to me? And the Christian goes, well, yeah, but I got to give up. You mean my time wouldn't be my time? You mean I'd have to be a witness? You mean I'd have to change some things in my life? You mean I wouldn't be able to live the way that I want to live and be comfortable the way I want to be comfortable? You mean to tell me? And God says, close to me, isn't that worth it? A walk with me, isn't that worth it?
time with me, isn't it worth it? Well, yeah, but I'm not willing to sacrifice that. Really, to give myself over to you? That's the choice. Paul had to make that choice every day. Paul's answer was, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I got to keep crucifying. I got to keep putting me down. I got to keep doing the things so that I know that he's in control and he's got it and it's his way and not my way. It's his thoughts and not my thoughts. It's his greatness instead of my feeble, poor attempt at doing anything right. It is him and him alone. And if I can keep it him and him alone, he and I are going to be so close that the world wouldn't recognize the difference. We're going to come back tonight and I'm going to finish part two. And I'm going to give you the preview because I don't want to leave you right here. The reward isn't just, although his answer to Abraham, by the way, was I am thy exceeding great reward. How about that? His statement to Abraham was, I'm your reward. Christian, he's your reward. But on top of that, you know what he does? One day he's going to present you with your rewards. He's going to do a presentation. Everybody's going to know what you did for him. Because he's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He's going to reward his servants well. And then, last presentation. Say, so what is it? The bride gets presented to her Christ. The bride goes ahead, the church goes ahead, and gets presented over to God as a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle. We'll talk about those tonight. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. I don't know if anybody in here is lost. They've never accepted Christ as their Savior. I don't know. That's you and God. You and God know that. But if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if I were to ask you right now, do you know 100% for sure you are going to heaven? And you can't answer yes to that question. Yes, 100%, I'm going to heaven. The Bible says that you can know that you have eternal life. You can know it. You can have it. It is a free gift of God extended to you. It's been presented to you this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, folks have come, they're down, they're praying, they're talking to God. I'm going to take a moment, and if you want to come and have somebody open a Bible and show you out of the Bible how you can know your sins are forgiven forever, we will gladly take a Bible and show you your sins are forgiven forever if you trust Jesus Christ. He has the payment. It's already there. The presentation is there. He's already given the gift. The question is, will you receive that gift? We'd love to show you how you can pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. Christian, I don't know what else to say to you. Maybe you need to just come and say, God, I'm sorry. Or God, thank you for even doing anything with me. Or Lord, I got comfortable. I don't know. You know what to do. Father, I do pray you'd bless the invitation now. Be with those that have come. I pray you'd help them. Father, if someone here is lost, they don't know Jesus as their Savior, I pray they wouldn't leave that way. 
I pray you give them the courage to let us know, show them out of the word of God how they can know their sins are forgiven forever. We love you and we do pray you would get all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.